Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Third Estate Podcast, where we talk about anything finance and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, AJ Abarca, and with me is my co-host, Anton Bullich. Hi everyone. Uh, we're both managing partners of Chimera Wealth, and here with us today is a good friend of mine, Luke Roxwold. And Luke, how's it going? It's going good. It's good to be here. First episode. A first episode, wow. indeed. That's right. <laughs> so Anton, what do you want to talk about today? Um, you know, I uh, I was driving by the mall. Um, I, I live near a mall, and I have to drive by every day. Um, and I was driving by during Christmas and, and New Year's, and even during COVID, you drive by and you just see the mall flooded with people going in to buy a lot of things. And I always think about this every year: how as Americans, you know, we just buy a lot of stuff. And so uh, I think it'd be good for us to talk about. Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all of what what do people really need to buy versus what what do we, they want and the wasteful spending that we all do. So I don't know if that's if you guys have an opinion on that that you want to share to start us off, but it it, it really it, it always amazes me what I see people buying. Um, even and even like as, as, as like financial planners, you guys get like the front row seats of the insane stuff that people. Like oh, I just bought a new car. You know, like, Wait, what? <laughs> you know, because because you guys know um, like all the details and stuff about that. And so when you guys are actually looking at other people and the decisions they're making, that financial planner brain is like switching on at all times and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I you're really not like wrong. Actually, that you mentioned <laughs> that there are times I'm I'm you know I'm socializing with friends and they tell me things and it's like. I'm doing the calculations in my mind. You're holding back. Okay. You're holding, you're like, <laughs> like, Anton, hold me back. Don't let me say what I'm going to say to him. <laughs> is that is that the the most wise decision to be making? Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, we've we've all studied that right back in school. Maslow's hierarchy of needs of you know first you have your physiological needs, food, water, warmth, and you have safety, shelter belongingness, love, esteem, and then, you know, the self-actualization at the top or self-fulfillment needs, right? But uh, we talk about that, but when it comes to our financial lives, it's it's exactly what you said, Luke. There are times where we're just in this kind of consumer society, right? Where we're just bombarded with ads nonstop. And if you don't buy this particular product or utilize this service, your life will be unfulfilled. But if you buy this one thing, your life will be whole. You will be happy for the rest of your life. It's true. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, please, come on, man. Um, well, yeah, we're just coming off Christmas. Like you were saying, where this is, this Christmas is the biggest point where people start to do that, where it's like, I got to get the TV or I got to get the car. Gotta get the iPhone. Always yeah, think that people want. But then you, I guess what you were saying is that while there is the psychological side of the hierarchy of needs in the in the psychological world, you're saying there's also one in the finance world as well that kind of covers the same. Because you guys were telling me about this before the podcast. So this, but but explain it to me a little bit more. What is this other triangle, you know, pyramid thing that that you use in finance. Yeah, so I mean, when when you're looking at the hierarchy of financial needs, and it's there's a good piece out by um, Visual Capitalist and New York Life Investments where they do the same kind of pyramid, right? And at the bottom, you have 
basically similar things, right? You have your cash flow and basic needs for food, housing, transportation, your and necessary that, daily expenses. To, sorry to cut in, but and that ties to the physio- physiological needs of the Correct. Maslow. And yeah. then what's and the then next you, one up? The next one is financial safety. So that's similar to, you know, safety needs of security, safety. And if you put it in financial terms, there's your emergency fund, right? Your insurance. The next tier above that, you have essentially accumulating wealth where you're building that investment portfolio, you know, saving for retirement, paying down the debt that you may have above that financial freedom. That's where you go into the vacations, the retirement savings, long-term care. And then at the very tip of that is, is where you have, you know, legacy planning. So estate, tax planning, business succession um, at, the, at the very top of the pyramid. And I think, too, because the reason that, that I it kind of triggered something for me, and it always does, is because you see people making purchases that are not needs and their wants, and which is fine, right? But, but when we think about I, I wasn't expecting it to be as full uh, this year because, obviously, COVID, a lot of people have had trouble this year working and, and making money, but it seemed like it was just as busy as ever. And we as advisors have people that will come to us and, you know, we're looking at their financial situation and they're in debt or they're barely making it. And you'll hear, or you'll hear just anecdotes. You're from your friends on the street, people that you're talking to who say, oh, you know, I can't, I can't afford to pay rent or I can't afford to, you know, fulfill some sort of need. But then you look and they're buying that newest iPhone and there, there was nothing wrong with their iPhone or they're buying the biggest, the next big flat, flat screen. And so it's frustrating because people are not prioritizing things properly. And so when you hear somebody say something like that, but then you see the action behind what they're doing, they don't quite align. So it's just... Uh, it's something I think as Americans speaking to what I think AJ said a moment ago was about consumerism. We're just buying stuff. Um, It's just speaking from experience. It's really tough to not get caught up in the hype. You know, it's like as soon as I buy, you know, computer monitor, Xbox or or even iPhone, there's always the next one. And and it's kind of designed to keep you buying stuff. And, And if you're not thinking about what you're doing, um, you really can get stuck just buying more and more and more. And obviously we all have finance or a finite amount of money. And so using this pyramid is kind of a way to say, do I really need this? Is this, am I in a place where I can buy something to accumulate wealth? You know, or am I in a place where I'm just buying food and my paycheck to paycheck and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I mean, do you really need to pay fifteen hundred or whatever it was for the latest Xbox and and right. PlayStation Five? Well, because of the PlayStation people, 5? Like, still, everywhere. You know, I try. I know, but it's like they're still in production. You know, it's not a yeah. limited supply, and they're not. Get, you're like, I know, you can wait a little bit. That's actually a good point because with Christmas, what made Christmas so tough is these these systems come out, and then Christmas is right there, and it's like, I need this now. Because I need it for Christmas, and it's like you well, need to buy give it, it as, now yeah. Yeah. because of all the what are they called scrappers, whatever they are. They they, they scalpers, scalpers. Yeah, they'll scalpers. they'll just for the audience listening, they'll they'll um, there's people that will write programs that will basically buy all the systems or buy as many systems as possible as soon as it comes out, and so all of these people end up with a ton of. Let me back up. 
people will buy the new Xbox right when it comes out and they'll buy a whole bunch of them and resell them. So they, they get sold out. And the only way you can get the new Xbox in time for Christmas is instead of spending $500, you have to spend $1,500 to get it for Christmas. But that stress of I need for Christmas, I need to spend the money. If someone came into your office right now and told you that, that's when you guys would bring up this hierarchy of financial needs, it sounds like, of an analyzing where they are. Well, yeah, I, think- I mean, yeah, to a little bit. Um, I mean, my first question always comes to mind of, well, why? Why do you need this by Christmas? Why can you not wait? Like, I, I mean. My son, my son says he wants it. Let's say that. He's like, my son says he wants it. Um, so I'm going to go into debt for that kid. <sighs> Yeah. for a video game yeah <laughs> well and that's I mean, that's that brings that brings that brings up the point where and and i've talked about this before is with other people is you know my you look at the, the great depression and the people that grew up during that time the world war ii generation right they didn't buy anything because they were in such dire financial situation uh they were in the bottom of yeah. the pyramid at that time right and so they they didn't buy anything. And now we're at the opposite. We act like we are at the opposite end of the spectrum as Americans now where we're buying. Because the thing is, too, is it's not like this is happening only during the holidays, right? It's happening all throughout the year. People just are buying, buying, buying constantly. And it's it's finding that happy middle ground where people are not going into debt or stretching themselves financially because obviously we're not advocate advocating i wouldn't at least say hey if you have the money and you can buy you know your wants and you have no problem covering those then more power to you if you're fulfilling everything up to that level and and you have no worries go ahead and do it but but most americans today are in debt or do, maybe they're not in debt, but they have no Pretty savings. Insane. The, yeah. the, there are so many people in debt. It's very normal. I found this out. It's very normal for people to just get a credit card and just not pay it off. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was taught pretty conservative about, you know, like if you don't have the money, you can't buy the, the thing, you know, like do you have the money in your bank account. It's not there. Oh, well, you can't have it. That's it. Even if you have a credit card or multiple credit cards, I but saw somebody, not. Uh, earlier uh, this week who had 25 credit cards. 25. That's insane. That's you know, a lot and, of credit cards. And each, each balance was like six, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. You know, so, and, and, and I don't, you know, I, I didn't know the financial situation as to what made that person get into that. You know, it could have been valid expenses uh, that just life just kept hitting that person hard, right? But but right. overall, and I think a lot of Americans, again, not to downplay that because there's a lot of Americans that that's happening, but let's be realistic too. Prior to COVID where a lot of people, they it's not like they weren't in. Right. It's like times, times are rough, but yeah. it's, they were, people have been in debt way before. For decades now, for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of want to go into say, right, like not, we're talking a little bit into, into debt here. Not all debt is bad. Yeah, since we started the episode, I'm like, just talk about debt. I want to know what debt is. Because being the everyday man, I'm like, what do you do? All my, I know a lot of people that are personally in a lot of debt right now, and to me, it it almost seems hopeless because I'm like, wow, just the the interest coming in, it just feels like they're just sinking. 
All their money that they can possibly make goes straight back into their bills. And then every once in a while, they're like, well, I'd like to do something with my life that's fun. And so then maybe they go out to eat or something. But it's like they're scraping all this money just to have a little bit of extra money to do something fun every once in a while. Cool. And so when I, yeah. go ahead, that, I, I'm just saying that there's a scenario. And given the fact that a lot of people are in that scenario, um, let's talk about it. You said not all debt is bad. Obviously, there is debt that can be bad, but elaborate on that. I'm, I'm curious about what that was. Well, it really comes down to what that debt is being used for, right? If you're using that debt, going back to this little example of buying that $1,500 Xbox or PlayStation, well, is that actually bringing productivity into your life? Of Now, if you are, you know, uh, EA gamer and that's your livelihood, mm-hmm. then okay, more power to you. But I'm, I'm talking to you of the, you know, most of the people who are buying these these gaming systems and it's not their career living right they're not making money out of this if you're using debt for increased productivity that'll give you a return right obviously with my background coming from investments well that's in my mind as long as the debt is reasonable and you can figure out that the return will be larger than not going into debt right it'll accelerate your growth per se then that's that's good debt in my mind. I mean, there are times I go into debt, I'm using credit cards and I just make sure that, hey, that debt that I'm going into, I'm going to be receiving return out of that, some sort of capital that will A, pay the balance of that debt at the end. I'm talking about credit cards specifically, right? And on top of that, I'm getting the points or whatever the rewards that these credit cards are using. And therefore, I'm not actually getting hit or bombarded with these massive interest. So in like, oh, actually, what were you going to say, Anton? Well, I'll give you I'll give you a, a the opposite end of that spectrum, so people have a opposite view on 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 bad debt, right? What's the what is bad debt? Well, I was talking to a friend of mine who who had a, a couple of years in banking, um, and he was talking about how he used to see client after client uh, at the credit union that he worked at would come in. And these people were, you know, most people have a, a debit card, right? And so they, they, and maybe a credit card, but most people, I think, use their debit card more than their credit card um, when they're making everyday purchases. And so there are people that are out there that are not aware of what, how much money they have, what's their limit in there, and, and they're, they over, they go over. And um, these banks make their money off of the interest that they charge. On, on your, you know, your card payment every month on the credit card. And if you go over your balance, there's penalties. And so there, I think there, he said that the penalty at his uh, company that he worked for was between 20 and $25 every single time the card was swiped and they mm-hmm. did, they were over, over drafting. Right. And so wow. it, let's say somebody goes to the store and they buy a Starbucks for five bucks and they get the Starbucks, but they've overdrafted, and now they have a twenty to twenty-five dollar, a thirty-dollar cup of coffee. Cu- you know? Yeah, and think about how many, and think about how many cups of coffee you could have bought with the twenty to twenty-five dollar right. penalty, right? That you're so paying. Why did you, like, why did you pay with the credit card when you could have paid with it? Which is, it seems common sense. I mean, I guess I'd be surprised at how many people actually. Oh, it's it's a lot. Is it it's for a real? Lot. It's really I mean, amazing. They, they, these, these financial institutions make billions of dollars off. That's how they make their money. And, and it's the same thing too with, with the interest, right? I think, uh, AJ would know a little bit more. I don't know what it's at nowadays, but, but let's say interest is, 
you know, it's double digits that, that you're getting charged on if you're if you're not able to make your full payment. Uh, so that's an example of bad debt that Dude, people that's are accumulating. scary. It's scary when you just think about like if someone has, you know, ten thousand dollars or more, and then the amount that the interest is, and how quickly that's just going to keep it like exponentially go up. But mm-hmm. so many people are right there. Like that's a, a big thing. Is and, and like school debt. Like, do you guys think that school debt? Obviously, so you know, you can go to school and get like a junkie degree that is not going to get you any money, which is kind of like, oh, you're spending $80,000 to get a degree that's going to pay you 30, 30 grand a year. You know, it's like, right. it's not a whole lot. You can make that money being a waitress, you know, like you don't need to go to school for that degree. But do you guys think that, you know, like school debt is, is school something you should go into debt for at least that often? Not to, not to a, uh, where you're bringing, taking on a lot of debt. Not if it's, if it's What's a lot of debt. I mean, I think that depends on the, like you just said about the degree you're getting, but I, these people that you hear about that are a hundred thousand dollars in right. school debt. I don't think that's, they, they shouldn't be doing that because there are cheaper alternatives, right? Everybody wants to go have the college experience nowadays right. and they want to go to a, top division one school or maybe it's not even a top school it's so much money and like and it's and it's like you have to take certain classes i i don't know i i kind of push against college a lot in general i don't know how you guys feel about it but um i know it it can be useful but so much money and like it's the same with like a car you know you guys were talking about cars and stuff it's like it's so I mean to, to bring this things. to bring this back full circle. I'll I'll give you. This was my first year in the financial uh, advising industry. I was I was fresh out of college, and I went to work. Basically, I was I was making about ten bucks an hour, and I was actually part time when I started because it was during the uh, the 08 crisis. So the crash had happened, and it was it was twenty eleven January. So we had this uh, client who. Uh, it was a client of the firm before I got there. She passed away and left about $20,000 to her niece. And this girl was in college at the time and she did not, um, she didn't need money to help pay for college. I think her, her parents were helping mm-hmm. and she had some scholarship mm-hmm. money, but she had this $20,000 $20, account. And she, over the course of one year, proceeded to, Call us every couple weeks asking, you know, send me $200, send me $500, send me a thousand. And what she was doing is that she was using this money to go to spring break, to go on a trip to Disneyland, right. to go to the mall and go shopping. And people just and, think they're loaded. Like when people get a little bit of money, they're going to be like, I'm rich now. Right. Because they don't have a reference. Money. They don't have a reference of what the what a dollar is worth. Right. Twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money compared to what most people have in their account, and so they think that they're you know Wolf of Wall Street all of a sudden, and they're not. They're not. And and you the know? funny thing, the, the the sad part about this story is, is at by the end of the year, she had spent down all of her money to the point where she called us in December. She called us in December, and she had less than a thousand dollars left in the account, and she still. Had not paid taxes on the twenty thousand, so she 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 had not only spent all the money, but she had run out of money to pay for the taxes. So, um, and I was thinking, I remember thinking at the time because I'm fresh out of college too, and I had a finance degree, so I know what money. And we had tried to kind of 
tell her, okay, this is what, you know, where, where your balance is, you know, are you sure about this? And so she, um, I was thinking to myself, if she had not spent that money, think about what $20,000, what that could do for you after graduating from college. You could spend that on a down payment for a house. You could help maybe defray the cost of living uh, in an apartment. You know, uh, there's so many things you could do with that. And even if, let's say, you know, I don't expect her to maybe necessarily save all 20, but she could have maybe said, okay, I'm going to spend five this year and done some fun things, maybe gone to spring break or do something. Take some of it so that it's not a complete loss. Because I think that's a big part of, to bring it back to the original topic is, you know, how do, do we even say this? Because we're talking about this off the podcast. I want to make sure that we actually said it. We're talking about, I asked you guys about how can I have the financial freedom to like do things that I want to do? Because so many people, I know a lot of people personally that grew up in like a hyper conservative area and it was just taught that you work all the time, you make as much money as you can, and then you take the majority of it and you throw it into a house because you need to own a house and then you throw it into a car and then you take it and you go into debt for school because you have to go to college, you have to get a degree. And then you take all your money and you throw it all into savings and retirement so that if something bad happens, if something goes wrong, it's all there. And it's like, these people have no money left now. So they're, they're 23 with the house, no money, and they can't do anything. I'm like, do you want to go to a bar? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of expensive. A bar? Like, that's not expensive. What you, All your money is, is going into the future. And so there's a balance between right now and then. And it sounds like with this girl, you're saying, should have taken 5000 out now so that you can have some fun and live your life as a young 20-year-old. But then also make sure that you're taking a certain, it sounds like uh, 75% of it and put it into either savings or uh, some sort of investment, something that is stable as opposed to just, I spend it all on Uber Eats. Because again, too, think about this as well, right? This happened in the backdrop of the financial crisis, right? No one, people were coming out of college not finding jobs. I was lucky to find a job, but I, I started out making 10 bucks an hour and it was, it was a, it was a part-time, uh, not even a, a fully permanent position. It was kind of like, okay, let's see how you do for eight weeks because money was scarce. Companies were worried about, do we have the income, the revenue to pay employees? And so 20,000 really, it's, it's, it, you can use that as part of your safety net. What if something, an emergency happens? Especially right, right after the crisis like yeah. that. Right. So, I mean, Luke, you brought in a, a good point, right? It's it's about finding that nice balance, right? I mean, when Anson and I decided to form Chimera Wealth, the, the whole point of it was to, I mean, the slogan of the firm is empowering clients to enjoy life today while designing your tomorrow, right? It's not necessarily saying, okay, that 20,000, how Anton stated, right? That 20,000, you have to put it into a retirement account and then that's you can nuts. use it no once fun. you're 59. <laughs> exactly, no right? Because I come from that mentality. I came from that mentality when I was younger of, oh, okay, I know what it's like to sacrifice a lot. I don't want to do that when I'm retired. I, I was on the scared conservative standpoint, right? Where it's pretty much I was making, again, that 30,000 out of college or so. And then everything I was putting was going into retirement. And there was a little bit that I was using for, you know, going to concerts or going to the bar. And I, I honestly thought I was, I was living pretty good and where I'm from, right. The area I'm, I grew up in having 
uh, a six figure, you know, a hundred thousand, once you reach that level, you, your life is set. Right. Um, but over, over time you learn, okay, well, you know, you can still save for tomorrow, whatever those goals may be. We were talking about, you know, buying of going on a vacation, buying an iPhone now, and also saving for retirement. Like there is a way to do that there's a way to get almost everything that you want in due time right it's 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 patience and that's that's really where you know whether it's finance whether you want to call it financial planning or budgeting self-awareness it, it comes well, down like, to having a system for that you have to be smart too about it obviously like oh mm-hmm. smart you but you do you have to be smart about it because i just think of these hypotheticals of i need to take all my money and save it so now instead of buying healthy good food that's expensive. I go and I buy cheap food because, well, I can get it cheaper, right? So you get garbage food, then you eat all that garbage food, you die young, and you never even get to enjoy that retirement that you were saving for. You know, so it's like you have to invest some of the money now, because if you don't invest any of it, then you just screw yourself up. Like your your body you will be falling apart. You're never gonna get to the retirement, you know. And it sounds like that's a lot of what your vision is in in this company. Like the, the one yeah, that it's, it's not just so much the company, right? It's just the, the living, right? I want to be able well, it's to like the system, but you are correct. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to be able to, I'm, I'm a huge, you, as you both know, I'm a huge avid traveler, right? I love seeing the world. Obviously that's, that's taken a pause right now with everything, but once things are lifted and stuff like that, well, I'm still planning to do that. But at the same time, I still need to, I still need to work, right? I still need to produce an income. Uh, and after over time, after thinking about it, spending a lot of time, you know, trying to be self-aware and, and figuring out a way I've determined, you know what, there is a way, there is a way that I can travel. I can do that kind of digital nomad lifestyle and still help people still have an income, still produce, you know, make an impact in the world. It's just, it's, it does take time and it does take like I said, it does take that self-awareness, taking a pause and saying, okay, what is it that I genuinely want? You know, mm-hmm. take out all those ads that I'm That's such a huge thing, with. that pause. Because yeah. you guys were talking about that before we start recording. Um, you know, you're saying that the self-awareness of what you're doing is really important, which I think is true in life in general to be, like, I think, I forget who it was, but it's, it's know thyself. It's like a Greek proverb. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you understand yourself, life will be so much better. And so you have to be honest about who you are, what you want, what you're doing. And it sounds like that same principle applies to finance. You have to know how much you have, how much you're spending, what you really want out of life. Like, do you want a house or do you want to travel? Because you might not be able to get both. Most people can't get everything that they want. And so the realistic of what do I want the most that actually fits into this pyramid that we were talking about earlier yeah. as well. And I mean, sometimes there's alternatives, right? You just mentioned, do you want a house or do you want to travel? Well, you know what? I've been around the world. You can definitely get a house, not in the United States for a whole lot cheaper. Right. right? right. <laughs> I you mean, you all the time. English, America, you know, it's Ireland. like you, yeah. you could, you have to kind of look at it from all factors, which is, you know, kind of like a, um, the intelligent way of looking at it is saying like, well, what options do I actually have? And um, Antoine, it looked like you wanted to say something. Were you going to comment on that? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think there are people today just do not um, overall, you know, not everyone, but we, we, we need to, I think, bring back that discipline and delayed gratification 
So you think we should actually be a little bit more cons- – I mean, in general, people should be just, more conservative than they I mean, are. overall, right? And it's not like you have to necessarily do that with everything that you're doing, right? It, and it, it, there are people that really – don't because their financial situation is they're they are set. You know they have plenty of income uh, relative to what they want to do, but but overall, um, on most things, it seems like people are not exercising that delayed gratification or that that ten second pause into should I be spending this money here or buying this? And again, if it's something that's uh, simple, low cost, and it's, it's not really going to affect anything. Maybe you don't have to take that pause, but, right. but there, if you're, if you're buying 10 things and you're not pausing for any of them, that it, it's more than likely that if you are in tough financial straits, that's why, you know, maybe you need to pause on five of them and the other five, you just go forward with as normal, but you pick and choose. You guys might not have an answer for this, but it is something I'm actually curious about. It's like, how do you change someone's mind? Because it's so much easier and so much more fun to do what I want to do right now. Just like I could eat candy and cake and whatever sugar. I could stuff myself silly with food, but that's going to hurt me down the road. I'm going to get overweight. That's going to hurt my joints. I'm going to, it's going to, it's like uh, the net, the net change is going to be negative. You know, if you have me today and then me tomorrow and then me all the way till I'm dead, that's a lot of days of people that want to have a good life. And so when you make a decision to make one person happy, that person today, right now, and then you screw over all the rest of the people for the rest of your life, it's a lot of people that are unhappy and for that one person that's happy. And so how do you, how do you get people to see that? You know, in finance, when people get excited about like, I need the car, I need the Xbox, I need to live life, which we want to live life. But how do you I mean, be like, live life, but also don't go insane? <laughs> I, I would say the first way is by setting a good example, right? When that's with not necessarily financial, just anything, right? When you're When you're wanting to, I guess, be a leader or trying to convince somebody, you need to show them an example that they can visually see that provides the result to what you're trying to convince them of, of, right? So if I'm trying to convince somebody to be financially uh, stable and making those good decisions, if I'm not making those decisions myself, how am I going to convince them that they should do what I'm saying? Right. Like you show them your nice car or something. Like, what do you mean? Uh, no, it's like, just the car I'm able to drive because I, you know, I don't know. I mean, when, when I'm, when I'm with my friends, they know that I'm not just spending money right and left. And they also know that I'm also not stressed about my, uh, my finances. Not that I, I don't have, you know, a ton of, right. of money or anything, but I'm, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. And there's a direct correlation to that and, like and you you live by example and they see well this guy seems calm and collected and able to go on trips every once in a while like aj you said that you travel a lot and so then you're like look at me i'm going to mexico or i'm gonna go to africa and like i'm gonna go to all these different places and i can do that because i have been uh careful about my spending like i don't have a house right yeah. now I'm nomadic like i've made sacrifices to do what i want most well, I take a little bit of a, I mean, it's a, I, I get where Antone's coming from and, and to an extent I agree with, um, I take a little bit of a different approach more in the fact that, uh, from my experience at the end of the day, people are going to do whatever, whatever they want to do. 
right? Okay. So very hard to change I, people's minds. Exactly. So what I found this to have the most success is you essentially need to help them to get there, right? Kind of think of going back. We were talking about a little bit earlier of like you know how people go to therapy to help them resolve some some deep issues. The therapist there isn't to tell you, oh, you are upset, you are depressed because of X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C. They're really there to help guide you. And I mean, as financial advisors, that's kind of what we're there for too. I mean, we could tell clients all day long, hey, you are broke because you are spending too much money on festival tickets or- I know, but, but they're going to be like, back. all they're thinking about is the festival. So when you go, look, you see these numbers, too much money. They're like, but you should have been there, you know? Exactly. Like- yeah, yeah, right. And um, to to a point, even you can say, you know, this is the problem right here. You have to get them to, you know, people to understand, have a conversation of saying, okay, well, you want to buy this. Why do you want to buy this? It's kind of, like I said, a bit of a self-discovery, self-awareness kind of area of, okay, you have, you really want Xbox, kind of going back to my first example, you really want that Xbox. It's $1,500 right now. Do you really need that Xbox right now? I, 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 I'm right there with you. I love video games. That's I love Call of Duty. Do you need it now? It's the, it's like a lot of it is a greater good because it's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at uh, an individual case of you get this Xbox, what does that get you? And it's like, well, it gets you a lot of entertainment for a very long time, you know, maybe four or five hours or more a day if, you know, depending on how much video games you like playing, which is a lot of time for, you know, even if it was $1,500, if it's like $1,500 gets me hundreds of hours of entertainment. But there's a caveat of like, is that entertainment going to make you able to work enough? Like maybe you get so into video games that you barely even want to go to work anymore. And that's, you've paid for a thing that's going to make your life worse long-term. And so the greater good is like, do you want to be happy longer or just while you're playing video games and then you have no money? Now you have no internet. Video games are gone forever, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's not the only thing, right? right? I mean, it's like, okay, you really like video games, but what if there is something else that you like a whole lot more? Exactly, exactly, right. Like, what if there's want, something else? Did you want to go to Europe next year? Mm-hmm. Because Would that bring you much more joy? But, yeah. but I, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, maybe not ahead of ourselves, but but that point that we're making, right, is that's you're, – you're, you're trying to redirect the person by saying, okay, this is what you want to do. These are the positives and negatives of, of you doing that. Um, maybe try this other option that kind of meets halfway – with uh, what we, you know, what's the ideal situation to save money, but also what's your ideal situation of enjoying that thing that you want to buy or that experience that you want to go do, do something in the middle. But at the end of the day, when, when AJ is, like you said, you're being the therapist, you do have to lay out, okay, right now you're, you're financially maybe in trouble or you're putting yourself under stress that doesn't need to happen. And so, they have to be that person has to be convinced that they need that aha moment. They need that aha moment, right? Well, because so, let's be honest, you guys are trying to sell people. You guys got cookies and a salad in front of someone, and you're trying to get them to eat the salad. Yeah, yeah, and and that's, that's and, not easy to do. You know, because no, it's like no, nobody but, wants to eat the salad. But the perf the way the way you convince them to eat the salad is to say, okay, you to your point earlier about eating bad food is to say, okay. 
You can look eating, that guy out there. This yeah, you've happen. been eating the bad food, right? And now this is the situation you're in. Uh, there are examples of if you don't eat any bad food, this is what you're going to look like. Uh, but let's go in the middle here. And so you have yeah, to lay out. Like like the destination, I guess, is a big right. part. You know, if and, it's like the salad sucks, but you could look look at these, look at this picture of these abs. You could have these abs when you go to the beach next next year, but... Because I'm assuming that we're dealing with somebody that is able to be convinced, like they're they're willing to seek help. Slash, they realize that they're in a bit of a uh, situation, and because if they if they aren't right, you're not gonna you're gonna waste your time. Right. You're not if if that person is just come hell or high water, they're they're gonna plow ahead with what they've been doing that's not working. Then. Uh, it's, it's going to be coming to us anyways. They yeah, wouldn't it's like come a, to us. What is it? The when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, or whatever the phrase yeah. is. So it's right. like if people don't want, if people don't even want to eat the salad, there's no way you can convince them to. But if they are like, I want to eat the salad, but I would rather eat the cookies. I need help figuring out how to eat the salad. You know, I, I love. It's just a funny example, but it's just kind of is what it is because like spending money right now is really fun compared to not spending money at all, or at least spending a lot less money. You're, you're painting a picture for them and, and you're, tr- you have to paint both sides of that picture uh, and, and the good and the bad parts. And it's, it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people and this is getting a little bit off topic, but a lot of people about saving money and it's kind of a similar vein where people who have been financially strapped for a long time and they can't save much right now. Right. And they think to themselves, why start saving, you know, these small amounts and you kind of explain to them, you know, Hey, you're starting out small, but as you, as you keep doing it, that small amount is going to grow into a larger amount. And it, people don't realize how quickly that, that amount, you know, you can save a decent amount of money. And then once, once you get that habit, just like going to the gym, once you build the habit of going to the gym every day, it then it, you don't even think about it. It becomes muscle memory. It becomes automatic, and it and that, becomes easier to do. That's the thing about habits, too. In general, is that with um, it's usually not about I'm going to do this giant thing. I'm going to work out for five hours every single day. You're like, okay, good luck. You're not working out at all right now. Going to go to five hours every day? Okay, have fun. It's that it doesn't ever work because it's too much. And so when someone says, I'm going to save all of my money 100%, you know, or I'm going to go to 80% of my money is going to go into savings. It's a little ridiculous, especially if you haven't saved anything at all. And so getting them to say, look, don't buy that Starbucks and just make coffee at home. That's $5 every day that you're not spending. It's only $5 and $5 is not that much money, but every day it can really add up. And so, and then once you start to see that money stacking up, then you, you get excited because you're like, oh, I got, I got a little extra money. And then it's like, yeah, you remember that? You saw that Starbucks, you saw how that made a difference. Now don't eat Uber Eats every day or like, don't, you know, whatever. And so it's like those baby steps, I guess. It sounds like what is what you're saying. Yeah. Moving them slowly in the, in that direction. It makes sense. It like aligns with other stuff I understand. People are not going to go from eating unhealthy to very un very healthy all in one day it's just not possible it's like those people that they get on a diet and they do it for a month and they they go too too far too quickly and they just 
they they re relapse right into going back to those old habits because it's just too much of a jump. Um, you don't go from not running to being able to run a marathon. So, yeah. Okay, Luke. Let's uh, one final <laughs> question. What what uh, what is on your mind before uh, we we end this episode here? Um, it better be a good one. <laughs> honestly, so um, right. This is I did not warn you guys about this one, but this is something I really want to know about. So, you guys definitely heard about this, by the way. Um, so a certain person tweeted something out that drastically changed the stocks of a very specific company. It was Elon Musk. He tweeted out, did you guys see this? He like tweeted out about Signal and it like, so Signal is like a more private app than WhatsApp. And so he just tweeted out one tweet, just said, you guys should use Signal. And the stock went like through the roof. Like it just, or maybe it wasn't stock. I don't, I don't know all the details, but like the company got a ton of users that joined in. And so I kind of, I know it's completely off topic. Like it's not related to anything else we were really talking about, but it did just happen. And I was curious, um, you know, like, I guess, have you guys ever had an event like that where you maybe even got lucky, you just threw some stock somewhere or you had someone that invested something and then all of a sudden they had a ton of money and then they came to you guys or, or just what do you think about that in general of like some CEO can just send out a tweet and then something blows up like that and something you never expected to happen just or like the housing crisis like things just flip upside down well it's it i have seen it um it's that's the day that's the world we live in today i mean social media we're all connected kylie jenner with snapchat or whatever a couple years ago she's yeah well you know it'd be i think it would have been nice if if elon had uh maybe tweeted something positively because he got in trouble with his own tweeting stuff that negatively affected his own stuff you know yeah he's getting trouble all the time um yeah the the news the news that gets that gets sent out today is more instantaneous and it can have a very uh quick effect on on you know price movements and volatile now yeah and that's just change immediately yeah and it could be temporary or it could be permanent it's that doesn't surprise me that that it had that effect i i don't know anything about that specific example i didn't know that he had he had tweeted anything about about signal or whatnot it's not it's sort of like um i just think it's funny you know it's just funny that like a ceo could just like on a whim just send out a tweet and it just blows a company it either makes the company just shoot up or not. But I, well, that's I, why I brought it up about his own because he did, I mean, cause he cost his shareholders some, yeah. uh, some price market, uh, market cap, but, but obviously Tesla's it's done extremely Still. well since then. Right. So it's well above what it was when that happened. Right. Um, but well, the funny thing is it, it was the wrong company, right? People confuse Signal, the messaging app, with Signal Advance, an actual stock that's in the. Oh, for real? Yeah. So, and that actually happens quite a bit. Oh, what? A, um, oh, that sucks. To well, that where, where the ticker will be the same, like oh, or yeah. similar oh. to the company, and yeah, you see oh, it. Oh, so someone but, takes all their money and they throw it in the wrong stock. That happened with Zoom. Remember, during oh. the beginning of COVID, there was like a, I think a Chinese company that got, uh, what did it get delisted or paused? Maybe I don't think it got delisted, but uh, oh, I don't know. But I remember something happened similarly. 
that's a bad day. When you well, realize that's you're kind of the danger, way. though, of, of, you know, some of the impulse. It's an right now, the impulse, exactly. Not conducting your own due diligence and making sure that what you are going into, that, that purchase, right? Because buying a share, buying a stock is similar to going out to the store and, and buying an iPhone. You know, it's, it's, it's putting capital into impulse. something. Kind of if, if you're doing it impulsively and not really knowing what you're doing, well, there you go. I'm actually looking, I was just looking at the stock earlier and I think it was down, right? It was down after hours, like 72% or something like that. Oof. Down 75. Yeah. Really? yeah um, I think on Google, I'm looking at it as being down 74 and change. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. That's not a delete slip. Yeah. <laughs> way up, way down. Yeah. And yeah, that, that tends to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it makes I mean, sense too because you, you have to get people to not, it's like if you get really, really excited that I'm going to make so much money if I throw all this money into something, it's like that impulse, so much of finance is just impulse control of not, yeah. All right. Well, cool. That was my last question. Well, yeah. Thanks, everyone. You've listened to the first episode of uh, The Third Estate. I'm your host, AJ Abarca, and with my co-host, Anton Bolich and Luke Roxwold. And you guys have a great evening. Bye. Cool. Thank you.